0: Welcome to the Beyond Green 365 podcast. This podcast educates homeowners on how to make healthier choices when updating, remodeling, or building a new home. Step Beyond Green to Healthy supports, advocates, and educates for healthier indoor environments. We make every effort to offer healthier options and learning opportunities. However, our assistance is not specific medical advice for any one person and or medical condition. For specific medical advice, please contact your physician. The content provided by Step Beyond Green to Healthy is for your information only. Any application of this information is your responsibility entirely. Here is your host, Jonathan Sinovic. Welcome back, everybody, to the Beyond 365 podcast brought to you by Step Beyond Green to Healthy. I have the one and the only Dr. Jill Krista on today. She is a leading expert at the forefront of mold-related illnesses. And I'm telling you, it was so mesmerizing by how she talked through the medical side of healthy and healthy building practices that I had to break it into two segments because I didn't want it to end. They're a little longer than normal, so hopefully you find it just as interesting as I did talking to her. Dr. Dr. Drill, what finds it most amazing is that she was affected by mold in the very beginning, and she made it her mission to find out how it was affecting other people and also how she could help other people get over mold-related illnesses. So not just about avoidance, but actually how to get through it when you're exposed to it. She also took her love and her passion for helping people, and she decided that she wanted to train other practitioners across the United States in how to identify and eliminate mold-related illnesses. You can check out her website at DRCrista. So Dr. Krista. Dot com on there. Also, if you think you might be affected by mold, she's got a questionnaire that might help identify whether or not you are actually affected by mold. And if you're not affected, how it might be the surrounding area that's affecting you. So I don't want to waste any time because it, it just I can't tell you how many times I went, oh, my gosh, like this is crazy. So let's get right to it on part one with Dr. Jill. Well, this has been a long time coming, everybody out there. I am the honor. And I say the honor because this woman has, I think, has changed the industry. I think she's a super exciting person to listen to. But more importantly, her heart has been in what she's going to talk about us today for a long time. It's affected not, not only her, but her family. And now she's out there helping people change their lives in, in that nasty word called mold. Wow. So, Aww. Dr. Joe, thank you for being on the show today.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I'm, I'm so excited that we finally connected.
0: It is, it is, uh, I don't know, I got like, just. I don't know, like all this ball of energy right now. I, it's it, We have so many, so many questions. I will I will try to not, you know, not go and, and litter you with a ton of them, but I really think the audience needs to know a little bit about your background. Tell us how you, did you get into becoming like the mold expert?
1: Yeah, it was by accident. Uh, ending up in Southern Wisconsin where we have a lot of Lyme disease, didn't know that. Um, till I got here and went through Lyme training, became a Lyme literate doctor. And in a small percentage of my Lyme patients that had chronic Lyme, um, you know, it, it's like with naturopathic medicine, usually when you find and identify the cause, you treat the cause, people tend to get better. You know, if you have a food allergy, don't eat that food, people feel better. Um, in this case with Lyme, I was treating it and I had this small set of people that just weren't getting better. And in one of those patients, they found toxic black mold in his home during a remodel. And it had been estimated to be growing there since they had remodeled previously, which was a 10 to 12 year exposure. And I thought to myself, well, I wonder if that's what's going on with this guy of why he can't sleep, why he has chronic ear ringing, you know, why he has anxiety through the roof, why the medication for anxiety makes him feel more anxious, why his gut is a mess, why is you know his joints are breaking down, why does he have pelvic pain, why does he have urinary frequency, and it was just all of these symptoms that were sort of like not what I would consider Lyme disease, but were really, he was really struggling with. So I hit the books and uh, the research and I found not only is our, you know, mold and mold toxins very correlated to these symptoms, it was definitely what was going on with not only him, but uh, most of the other chronic Lyme patients that weren't getting better. So that's when I dove in and started to go down the Pandora's box (laughs) thing of, uh, what is this mold thing anyway? You know, when I left naturopathic school, I'm trained in environmental medicine through my education. So I had a concept of mold being an environmental illness, that it was more than just an allergy problem, because that's usually what if you look at the CDC, they'll say, you know, mold equals allergies. Um, it's way more than that. I'll just say that right out of the gate. And uh I kind of understood that it had some neurological, neurotoxic things because we saw people in my training that when I was in school that had mold exposure and had MS and it was sort of correlated like, well, maybe this MS thing is related to the mold. Uh, That's kind of where it stopped for me. And I thought that it was only the toxic black mold. That was the problematic mold, which has been a very big eye opener. I also thought it was only old buildings, which has also been a huge eye opener for me. And I thought you'd always be able to smell it. And uh, that's how mold got, me and my family, as we moved into a relatively new home, it didn't have any signs of, you know, the smell or anything like that. There was one little water stain and uh, it turned out all three floors of the home had terrible mold problem. And I didn't identify it because I had these preconceived notions, even though I was already working with mold sick patients. And at the time I was creating a training course for doctors on what I was seeing working with these chronic Lyme patients if we address mold. So it was not that it wasn't on my mind. Um, It's just that when we have these preconceived notions, you can miss it. And that's how we met.
0: (laughs) Exactly. And I think that's what you said there is fascinating because I think we, we associate a sickness with something that's identifiable to the human body, right? We don't necessarily look for this precursor to how it came to be. And I think that's what frustrates a lot of pe- people that are listening right now. I think it frustrates the 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 trade business world too, because inherently people say just don't feel right, but they don't actually identify it as a building problem. They don't like like mold. Like It's almost like I got a cut and I need a reaction to fix it. And so it's interesting that you talk about like Lyme disease and seeing different symptoms and going, well, it's got to be something else, connecting that to then mold. But then in that process of trying to help someone with the mold, really not making the connection to... Potentially, how they got the mold, or where the, where the exposure point was, um, mm. because so many people out there see mold on the wall and go, "Okay, now I got mold." And the truth of it is, is that most of the time, I find we don't even know it's there, right? And that's what you found out. Right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's behind the building material. It likes the dark, dank, moist, no light, no air movement. You know, that's its favorite place to grow. So, of course, it's not going to be the most comfortable mold if it's out on the surface. Like things have got to be pretty, pretty bad behind the surface to be showing up on the surface because the mold doesn't want to be there, you know? Right.
0: Yeah. And yeah. And in previous pod, podcasts, we've identified that. Like it's, it's when you see it, it's way too late. Like, like yeah. It's- at that point, it's it's beyond where you could even fathom where it's at. And a lot of times what we're finding out now from different pe- people that have been on the podcast, you may not see it even. There's not even, a, a, there are some mold that you just, it doesn't identify itself as a dark substance, a substance on it. It could be right in front of you and almost clear to nature. Is that is that true?
1: Yeah, absolutely. That's where we miss it is that, you know, there's an idea. And that was one of my preconceived notions was black mold. Well, any mold species can be almost any color, depending on the substrate, so the food it's eating can change the color of it. And there there are molds that are white or light, light pink or light, light green, and they just sort of dust the surface. And so you can think it's dust. And I've had this in um, some of the cases that I've worked with for hotels and things like that. So hotel employees that were getting sick and uh, and they're, the bon- owner of the hotel was saying, well, that's just dust. And I say, well, how do you know until we test? And so swabbed it. And sure enough, that, quote, dust was toxic mold that can make a mycotoxin that can cause cancer. Like, that's a big deal. That's not just dust. That was mold. And people don't really think about that. You think of, like, the piece of bread with the little green thing and that it it grows in a circle. And, you know, when it's really when you're a really, really good mold farmer in your house, you know, if you if you're really good at growing mold. Meaning you have a lot of cardboard on concrete floors in basements, or you have a finished basement that you're not managing humidity. You know, mold just needs humidity over 50% to be able to grow. If you're a really good mold farmer, we might see that kind of a round thing. But mold can also exist as just a spread out dusting of an area. And that's, you know, more classic in like a basement or an attic or um, the crawl spaces and things like that. And then you can shine a tangential light, and there, if there is just a little luminescence or a little dust on that, that is a concerning, a concerning thing that needs to be investigated.
0: You're, you're, you're making me very, very nervous right now. But you're telling me <laughs> I that I, that dust, that even the dust in my house could be mold. So, uh, take a step back. You said some kind of light. Is that how you test for for, for mold? Like in those dust areas, you, you you have a special light that you use that identifies that.
1: So I'm not really a building expert, but the ones that I work with, they do have special lights, you know, like a woods lamp and things like that, that you can, and moisture meters and moisture cameras, infrared cameras. So you can see if there's water or, or a a temperature change behind a surface, like in my own house, we didn't know that the, so what had happened is that nothing was, none of the drains were sealed. So everything was dry fit and then closed up and there was no ceiling. So If there was any change in the temperature of that pipe, if someone ran really hot water and then ran really cold water, well, I'm a naturopathic doctor. We do hot and cold therapy all the time. You know, it's really popular now to do cold plunges. Well, in our family, we do, if you're going to take a shower or a bath, you follow it with a cold. That's tonifying. It's good for the body. It's like daily detox. Well, so we were creating the perfect situation of heating up a pipe, and then cooling it off really fast that had no seal on it. And any of the overflows had no, there's no pipe going to there. Um, so we had the perfect situation of, you know, no one's going to see this. No one knows that this drip, drip, drip is happening, except the mold because they're loving it. So they came into my house with this, um, this camera that was able to see. We had a huge area on the ceiling of my living room that had water behind it. And it was just soaking it up and soaking it up and soaking it up. And that was the case on every, anything that had plumbing that needed a drain, that was the case. So it was covered. Uh, you know, the little mini bar in the basement, that was connected to nothing. It, the drain just went into the wall. So it was going underneath the flooring and I mean, it, was it was really bad. Um, and you know, that that can happen when there's a rush. Um, and I mean, it was just that it was a comedy of errors in my own story. There was another situation where a plumber had, um, what is it? Soldering, you know, when he soldered one of the pipes, he soldered through one of the drains. So, you know, it was just like, oh my goodness. And you would never know that because it was all behind building material, which is why I'm talking to you about, um, (laughs) building plans about, I want to have access panels to everything that has water, you know, because then you can check those things. You can keep an eye on it. You can put little moisture or, you know, those water sensors and alarms. That's prevention, you know, because some of these things can be happening behind the walls, either from a build problem or from a storm problem or from a humidity issue. So, yeah, what, what I'm telling you is like if if there is a finished basement and you are not managing humidity in that basement. That is a perfect setup for mold growth. It will love you for that. And if you're really, really bad about dusting, even better, because the dust can then carry around, that particulate can carry around all the little spore babies, and they can go find the other humid areas in your house, which might be your HVAC. Yeah, so I'm really good at scaring people.
0: Yeah, yeah. (laughs) But you're also really good at helping people. So once, so so I, so how, so where do you pick up? Obviously... Um, you're, you're dealing with, with people who have symptoms. So let's talk a little bit about like, how does someone end up in, in your office? Because right now what I'm hearing is, well, yeah, if I didn't take care of it, it's going to be around, but how would I know potentially that I've had mold exposure, whether it be short-term or long-term and maybe tell me like how I would know that I need to have this looked at.
1: Yeah. So, um, and I didn't quite answer all the, the building testing questions and I'll just circle back to that. I have inspectors that that are my favorite people in in practice that if there are certain symptoms, which we'll talk about kind of this cluster, then I say, ooh, we probably better rule mold out. And even with really talented instructors, it can be missed because it can be so hidden. So a, a very easy thing that I do in practice is that I will test have the person test their home and their body for urine mycotoxins or, or blood mycotoxins. Um, So their body mycotoxins in their home, if there are mycotoxins in both places, we got a potential current exposure problem. So if we're seeing there's a, there's a blood marker, there's an antibody against mycotoxins called IgE that people can, their doctor can run through a company called My Mycolab. If that's high and they have mycotoxins in their house, then there's a very high chance that this person is being sick from their home. Um, Or, you know, if IgE is high, that's from a current exposure typically. And then we call in the inspectors. So when I see the classic pattern is we're doing everything right for that condition, but they're not getting better. So like in the case of the chronic Lyme people, once I identified it was Lyme, I went and I got trained by very good doctors in Lyme disease came home, started treating appropriately, and most people got better except this group. You know, and it was kind of like, okay, why did the antibiotics, you know, herbal or or pharmaceutical work for that person and the biofilm busters? Why did that work for that person? But it didn't work for this other person. Um, The other thing is that there start to be counterintuitive reactions to medication. So, the, the anxiety that is made worse from taking anxiety medication, you know, that's like a, huh what's going on there? And it's because the, the mold toxins are gumming up the liver. So the liver can't process the drug the way it's supposed to. And so you have to change the dosing of the drug or they're going to get too much of that drug in their system and it's going to act differently because it's not at the right dose. So there are these little things. A classic one is fatigue. Fatigue is the, you know, the big one that most people will report. And that doesn't really really point to mold because that can be from lots of things that can be from, you know, stress and bad diet and, you know, not sleeping well, or it can be from lots of different things. Thyroid, adrenals, not working well, lots of different things, but it is consistent across almost everybody who's affected by mold. And in a kid that just looks like they're not going to tell you, oh, I'm really fatigued, you know? So in kids, it's going to look like I don't really play as much as I used to, or maybe I poop out, you know, a little too fast. In an athlete, it might look like their VO2 max goes down, but in a normal, you know, standard American, that's going to look like maybe I need to start taking naps to get through my day, or maybe I can sleep 10 hours and I'm not refreshed and I still have fatigue, or maybe I just kind of stop exercising because it actually, it builds up so much lactic acid. It takes me three days to recover from that. So you start to see more and more and more fatigue. Um, Also vision changes, anxiousness, Mold is really hard on the eyes. Um, Anxiousness is pretty common. Some kind of gut change, gut disruption, some kind of hormone change often. So you might see just low-grade stuff, you know. So that's how it sneaks up on you. And everybody in a built space is going to have a different pattern than the other people. And that's why it's getting missed. And that's why I'm out here trying to educate to say, listen, it's more than allergies and it's going to look different in everybody. That's the norm, not the exception.
0: Well, I yeah. think we've just I mean you described a lot of symptoms that I I hear like just individuals say well, oh, I'm just getting older.
1: Yeah. Right? It just
0: seems like as you as you're like listing them and I'm like not, I'm down going oh, Yeah. Like I'm yeah. looking at myself going all right well I didn't have glasses <laughs> a year ago and now I'm going all right well I got glasses now. I don't have but the fatigue but but it's interesting mm-hmm. because I think we've just been tuned in the culture now to say well these are just things that are that happen as we go. Um, And so what you're what you're identifying, though, is that we need to be more in tune with our bodies than just saying, well, that's just normal or I've got a lot of stress. And that's another easy word to use, like, oh, I'm just stressed. So I'm really tired or, you know, but 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 you bring up some some longer, some things even identify deeper would be the long term effect. If I go out and I mow the lawn and I can't do something for two days, Mm -hmm. me, that's not a sign that you're out of shape. That's now more of a mental key to me to say there's something else going on here. You should be able, the body's in tune enough to recoup from that. If not within yeah. a couple of hours, at least by the next day. Right. Right. Um, so that's right. fascinating when you think about like everything that you talked about, I, I could hear people saying, well, I'm just getting older, but that, yeah. and our homes, you, you made a comment earlier about, you thought that it was only in old homes. Mm-hmm. You know, we're seeing this as a, as a problem in new home construction. Actually, potentially more than it is in old homes. I, I tend to go into more new homes and find problems than I do in old homes, just because the standard of construction was different back in the yep. old homes, right? They're yep. using solid, solid materials. They were using less particle boards. They were, they were using a drywall or plaster versus drywall, a different, completely different material. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I switched gears year, years ago to saying, rather than if people are really uh, sick in this nature, and we're trying to help them looking at old construction might be better off than actually building new. There's, There's only so much we can do with new construction Um, that sometimes gutting down an old house to get rid of the pieces that could be problems and having the raw bones of natural solid wood and and plaster and working with things that are going to not absorb those things and hold those those problems, um, they show them right away, I always say. Uh, You never want to hide it. If if you put a piece of furniture in front of something to hide it, that's a problem. We, we should be we should be asking ourselves why there's something there. Not putting something in front of it, it's not going to magically go away by sliding the dresser in front of it. In fact, it's going to get worse, not right. better. So it's it's always interesting that we avoidance is like it's like a flight problem for for us us, us adults. Like it just I oh, we'll just avoid it. Like if I if right. I don't touch it, it'll be fine.
1: It's going to be fine. It'll be fine. I can't deal with it right now. It's fine. It's fine. Yeah. And I think it's, un- it's important for people to understand why we're saying that is that mold can make you, can affect bodies, can make you sick or give symptoms in a multitude of ways that, and only one of them is really being accepted and talked about. So mold spores, and that's usually what's going to cause the allergy, the asthma, the, you know, chronic, drippy nose, the sinusitis. And that's everything you're going to see on the CDC's website. When you go look up, you know, how can mold affect my body? If you go to CDC, it's basically spore illness. So, but mold has a lot more than that. It has spore fragments. So that classic thing where there was a water problem, you identified it, you took care of the water problems, maybe a roof leak, got the roof fixed, but then never cleaned out what happened on the inside. So mold grew and then it dried. And then there's a remodel and you go and pull that out. Now you've just sent, there's 500 to one fragment to spore. So you've just sent 500 fragments for every spore. And in a one-inch square, there's a million spores. So we have 500 million (laughs) fragments, essentially, floating around from one inch of mold. And those fragments can lock into the lung tissue and cause something that looks like mesothelioma. So this constant irritation of the mesothelial tissue of the body which wraps all our organs, basically. So you get this generalized abdominal pain that you can't, just can't put your finger on. Um, Generalized lung pain you can't put your finger on. And it's from these fragments getting in there. And they're very, very allergenic. They're much more allergenic than a whole spore because it's that many more fragments and that much more DNA. And they're very, very good at recruiting mast cells. So you'll hear a lot in medicine now, this new condition called mast cell activation. Well, That's a combination of mold and and COVID in my experience because COVID or the mast cells are ACE2 receptors, which is what the COVID attaches to. And if they have fragments in there, they have permanent inflammation. So they just get into this inflammatory cycle. So that's mold spores, spore fragments. We also have mold chemicals. So happily living mold will secrete these chemicals just as I I tease, I call them mold farts because they're just off gassing. They're just metabolizing and off gassing. And unfortunately, one of those mold farts is really, really damaging to the immune system. So much so that it's used in medicine for a drug to help people who've had organ transplants not reject that organ. So, why would mold make that? Because it is allowing, it's a persister kind of thing that allows the mold to exist in your body without the immune system killing it. It's the same thing as an organ transplant. So that's mold fart, really dangerous. So, And that's almost all of the normal molds we find in an indoor water damaged, you know, or too humid environment. That's that dusty mold that can make that chemical that can suppress your immune system. And so much so we use it as a drug in medicine. And that's not even the worst one. <laughs> so we have mold mycotoxins. Which are made on purpose by mold. They're really energetically expensive for mold to make. So it will only make it if there's multiple species or if it, like I call it lakefront property. It's like, woo, I found so much moisture here. I found the food that I can eat, which is, you know, previously living organic material that's been broken down. Well, that's now what you're talking about the different building techniques we're using more digestible, more digested materials. So there's no wonder we're having more mold problems than they used to. Uber tight house, trapping humidity, digestible materials. So if the mold is in there and there's competition, it'll secrete these mycotoxins. These are nanoparticle size. So that's where we get into trouble is the mold can be completely trapped behind building material. There's no sign of it or, you know, in a crawl space, in an attic, Um, in the basement behind the building materials. And those nanoparticles move into the indoor space every time someone opens a, a front door. It creates a little vacuum and that sucks those nanoparticles into the indoor air. And then we breathe those. And those are the big problem because those are the ones that can alter your immune system of your respiratory passages that then mold can move into you and you can move to a new place And you are the moldy building and you bring it with you to the next place. And that's where we need treatment.
0: Yeah. it's And that's something else that recently I've been listening to people talk about is the fact that we can, just because you move doesn't necessarily mean that you didn't take it with you. Right. And so it might not be the current location and you might test. I've had people come and say, we've had the testing done. There's nothing here. And I go, no, but I just recently learned it might not have been here. Like, and it might've been someplace you were at before. Um, and so you've brought it with you and that's, it's, it's also a, a big thing we, we see with furniture, even people yeah. who have gone through that, don't realize that all of this gets into everything, right? As you're talking yes. about just getting into our bodies. Well, I mean, again, what we're, we're telling people now is if you have mold in an exposed basement, basically you got to get rid of it all. Like it doesn't, it, it just, it, if you take it out and put it in a container and put it all back in all the spores and everything are most likely are in everything that's laying there. If it isn't a solid rock surface that you can actually treat, it's in it. Couches, blankets. I mean, you just name it. um, And it's just, people just get this devastated look on their face, like I know everything. And I'm going, well, this is the truth. Whether you accept the truth or not, this is where we're at. And we don't have a, a really good way of validating the cleaning of these things to get rid of it is what all the cleaners tell me. They're like, at the end of the day. I mean, it can be in the inside, the wood inside the couch. Like it might not even be on the surface anymore. It could have embedded itself there and then you sit on it and you cause that wood to expand and you just released it again. And everything that we've just spent a month working on is absolutely worthless. Like it's right right back to where it was. You just can't see it anymore. Um, And that doesn't mean it doesn't exist. So Yeah. yeah, I know it's, that's, it's just, it's just fascinating.
1: It's so hard. That's the heartbreak of it. You know, that your sanctuary, your home is the thing that's making you sick. I mean, that's really, that's the cognitive dissonance that a lot of people have. And it's also just financially can wreck a family. So, you know, dealing with that thing of like, okay, let's deal with the most contaminated things first. Let, you know, so porous furniture makes the most sense that it would be the most contaminated because every time you sit on it, it squishes out all the air like a sponge. And when you stand up, it just sucks in the air from that space. So, you know, the porous stuff, mattresses, upholstered furniture, that kind of thing. Um, I have the, the benefit of having patients where the money was really no object. And so they wanted to keep the, the heirloom furniture and, you know, let's clean it, let's put it in. We tried everything we, and working with the, the remediators that are my favorite remediators in my area. They, you know, we stripped it down to wood. We put it into hydroxyl boxes or ozone boxes, treated the wood, wire brush, scrub it, Um, tested the wood and some wood was remediated, but not all. Some dressers were remediated, but not all. And so typically it was where like there was an older dresser, like mahogany or something, but then the dresser drawer, the base was made with cheaper wood because who sees that? That was the moldy wood. That was the problem, you know, continuously not being able to be remediated. So, you know, my experience with that was just as you're saying, it, you only know for sure if you test, if you treat it and then you test it and that gets really expensive. So then you're doing this algorithm in your mind. Um, I really loved, uh, Brian Carr has, a a podcast on what to do about stuff. And he now has a little handout and he has this algorithm that's like, you know, you got to weigh the cost of the replacement versus the cleaning and testing after, cause you should always test after don't just assume the cleaning is working and then you know how how attached are you to it emotionally how porous is it you know so there he has a nice little algorithm that can help people get through those decisions and in some cases we can get the person better if something's mildly contaminated and they go it goes into a container like you said get them better then that thing can come back and they're reacting like a normal person would cuz there are there are mold spores everywhere. You know, there's outdoor mold, indoor molds. There are spores floating around everywhere. For some people, once they've been made sick, they are exquisitely sensitive to those. And if we can get them rehabbed and get their, you know, get the colonization taken care of usually in their sinuses is where it's hanging out. Um, then they can be like a normal person and not have to have all these huge reactions to a little bit of mold. Yeah.
0: And, I, and I, I want to filter back too on one of the other things you said here on, so you had, you had a roof leak, you mitigated the roof leak, and at some and, and it's just amazing how many people then look at that and go, all right, well, good, the leak's gone, so the mold will just die and I'll just leave yeah. it there. There's no reason to get rid of it. And I thought that was just fascinating that, again, you did a really good, nice job explaining to people, like, understand, I, I get told so many times on the on the trade end of it, like, well, the roof leak's gone. And I'm like, but we're not done. Like we, okay. we got to get rid of the rest of this properly because of exactly what you're saying. It's not so much this moment in time, it's the mm-hmm. next moment. And, and it just doesn't die. It just doesn't like cease to exist just because we took away its feeder source. I'm finding out through all of these peace podcasts and talking to people like, it's just, it's there forever. And all you need is something to disturb it to like reactivate it almost in a way. And I'm like, this is insane. I mean, what a, what a phenomenal, you know, organism, if you think about it. Oh like yeah. It,
1: it's the Navy seal of the, of the microbial world. You know, it's like, it just hunkers down and waits. It's like, Oh, I'll just wait this out. Cause like you're saying, it doesn't even have to be disturbed. So let's say you have a roof leak, it gets into the attic, there's mold. And of course, what does water do? It goes South. So, you know, there's gravity. And so it's going to work its way into the next drill hole that it can work its way down into a, a cavity into that room um, and now you say, okay, well, we, we took care of the roof leak and it dries up, except what happens when you have the next humid day? Cause all you need is over 50% humidity. So that mold goes into a, uh, an active and a rest state active. And so it's, there's this dormant, active, dormant, active kind of state that can happen. So it drives me up the wall <laughs> when I hear someone say, we had an inspection but they said and they found mold but they said it was dead mold and i'm like there's no such thing as dead mold a dead mold spore is a fragment fragments can't grow but a a whole spore even if it doesn't show what they call hyphal growth so even if it's not in a growth state right now that's a dormant spore and that means it can grow the next time it has over 50% humidity there's no such thing as a dead spore there's no such thing as a dead spore i feel like i want to sing it from the rooftops <laughs> from the dry rooftops. Um, because then I get the, the very sick patients that it was ruled out according to, you know, the inspection that they had. So nothing's done. And we end up with four years later, a kid with leukemia, we end up with MS, we end up with dementia, we end up with a cancer that, you know, kidney cancer molds really, really hard on kidneys, the toxins. Um, so there's all these things that then the sequela that are happening. And I I know I'm frightening people. I want to do that a little bit so that you pay attention to how serious this is. And then know that there are tons of things that you can do, not just getting rid of the mold in your space. Um, but then for your body to rehab and, and, you know, conquer the mold so that you no longer have that risk factor of those toxins and what they're doing to your immune system.
0: Yeah, I think this podcast is nothing but scare everyone. That's the I think that's its entire <laughs> its entire point. And, and 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 sometimes the scare technique is what we need because I don't I feel like somehow in the inspections, it was like their out clause to say, well, it's just I'll tell you it's dormant, whatever you know, whatever they believe that is. We know it's not dormant, but that way somehow I can move on. I've done my inspection, and your life goes on. And they're not doing any favors, you know, because. I think a lot of times, too, when I when I talk to those inspectors or those um, environmentalists, at the end of the day, there's not a lot of they don't have programs like what Step Beyond Green is trying to put together in the next steps that you can trust to remediate that correctly. Because even mm. getting rid of it, I've run across to improper remediation. Right? And I'm sure you yeah. have. Like at the end of the day, they came in, they wiped stuff down, they, 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 they charge them three grand and they walk away. And it's just like, whoa, whoa, whoa. That or that worse, isn't...
1: let's fog it. Let's, let's convince oh. you that you don't need to cut anything out. And that I'll just say the, the gold standard is removal of the source, removal of the source contamination. And that has to happen based on that thing of the dormancy of the mold. When you really understand mold as a microbe, fogging does not penetrate the drywall. It does not penetrate insulation. Especially if you have spray foam ins- insulation and the mold is behind that, like that's fogging's not going to get into those spaces. There's no way, so it has to be removed. I c- I, I do have that. people yeah. say fogging helped me breathe a little bit better, but then of course it's going to come back. So um, if it were affordable to fog, and it does take the particulate down, and you get a little you know, edge to get your brain together to finally get some sleep and make some real decisions about remediation. That's great. But you know, this idea of someone coming in and charging you 20 grand to fog your house and call that remediation. Don't take that bait.
0: (laughs) I think that's a perfect segue into our our part two, where we're going to come back and the next series here, we're going to talk about how we can remediate. But more importantly, also, Dr. Jill is going to talk a little bit about how she helps people, uh, how she helps people remediate their own, their own within their own body. So we're going to be right back in the next segment. Thanks. Step Beyond Green's mission is to create healthier indoor environments for us to live and work in. This is one of the ways that we do this. Please like, subscribe, or share this, as well as leave a comment below about this topic, or maybe it's a topic you'd like us to discuss in the future. Take care, everyone. We'll see you next time.